you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. While we're doing that, I want to kind of, we're talking about the teaching of the Spirit. If you've been in the Nazarene church for a while, you know that we totally believe in the empowerment and the strength of the Holy Spirit. We believe after there is a salvation that uh, we are forgiven and Christ comes to live within us. But it was his clear picture in the scripture that tells us to the disciples that, you know, I have to leave. In his form, as the areas of not being sinful, but in his form, Jesus Christ, he had to go because there was human and there was spirit. And he said that there's a necessity for me to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. That spirit is to live with us and to guide us and direct us. And that's what I want to kind of hit on today because I believe it's important to review. Again, as a church, we think about it. We preach about it. We think and share about sanctification and being filled with the spirit of God. And I want to remind us of what he teaches us and how he works with us. And this is more and maybe not a sermon, but a, a teaching process that you review in your own life. Where are you leaving God and the Holy Spirit work in your life? Are you questioning about why is this going on or how is this happening? And you're not relying on the Spirit of God. And so we're going to look into some categories of what he does and how he does it. And then we're going to talk about how we can make sure that we're listening to the Holy Spirit. Where are the areas that we're sharing in and ministering in? But I wonder this way, uh, in your school or college or even around the home or factors, do you have someone, and, and maybe just help me a little bit, someone that you have a lot of respect for, someone that has taught you, and I want you to tell me why they were so successful in teaching you. I've had some teachers through the years that I just, when you walked in the classroom, you just kind of clicked off. You just turned off. But there's a few others that when I would go in, I was excited to be there, and you kind of turned on, and you kind of zoomed in to listen, and you responded to that. But I find that overall, that sometimes we're turned off by the areas of what people say around us, and Jesus knew there are personalities and factors. I mean, the example of that is that maybe you've had this, and I find sometimes through the years of counseling, uh, kind of spouses were that way. Uh, whenever one of the spouses, the husband or wife, would do something wrong, the other spouse would just say, you are really dumb. Why are you doing that? This is really mean. And, and just kind of lay it out cold. And I found that that really didn't have any response in a positive way. Because they would respond in it. What I want you to know is that if there's no one else in this world that you've been taught by, if there's not a teacher or a farmer or a neighbor or a friend or a spouse, if there's no one else... The guarantee is that there's no excuse because God has promised the Holy Spirit. And he knows exactly how to come and speak to you. He knows you well. And so he's not coming and, and making and mocking you and making fun of you and responding in a negative way. But he is literally coming to speak to you that will help you and strengthen your personal life. And we need that in our day and age in what we're leaving and things that we have to deal with daily, we need someone that's not going to yell at us and scream at us, but to come quietly and softly into our hearts and minds and say, here, let me talk to you. And if you will respond to it in a positive way, you will grow and minister in your faith. And when you do that, this holiest factor that we talk about in being holy and living a holy life, you cannot do it on your own. 
You cannot live in your own area of life and go by your own wisdom. And my mom and dad was very intelligent and smart and did a lot of neat things. And I have a lot of respect for them. And I've told people over the years when it comes to spiritual things, no matter what happens in my life, I'll have no excuse not to serve God. Because, they, boy, I tell you, they lived a great life before me. But even in that, they were not perfect. They were not perfect. And we all have someone in the Holy Spirit. And so today, let's take that lesson and look in the areas of saying, what is it that we need to learn by this in the scriptures in reference to it? Again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. And again, it's not for me, but I know you're comfortable. Would you stand just one more time for the word of God in respect of God and what we share in? For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects his instructions does not reject man, but God, who gives you the Holy Spirit. Father, help us today to review. If we're familiar with all the doctrine, if we're believing in everything that the Nazarene Church and the Bible teaches, help us to review. Help us to make sure we're not out there kind of living it on our own or going by our own wisdom or even past thoughts. Help us and direct us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, maybe. Okay. It was working fine before, so I'm nodding. <laughs> I'm going to nod. So if you go ahead, oh, thank you. So the characteristics that we need to know and understand in this factor is that, that the teaching is something that each of us need to understand. We do not know everything about God. We do not understand everything about this universe or where we're going to live and where we're going to go, what's going to happen to us and how we respond. We have that ignorance. We have that key that's there. We come to a point that we need to be taught. We must trust him and his work in us and the work for us. The Holy Spirit is here for a key. That is that we need to keep, uh, we need to stop crawling, crawling out of those things that we've kind of been defeated or we've done things that are not pleasant. And so we're constantly trying to backtrack, try to get back out of those. We need to learn by the Holy Spirit and his conscience, the things that we share in. And so in this teaching, we need to understand that he is speaking to us in a way that we can understand him. One to put it this way, man needs more than divine salvation. We need divine teaching that which is of God in consideration. So the characteristics I want to talk to you first of all is the characteristics. So the first one, indispensable, keep in this thought. The scripture says that these are the things that God teaches, the things of God no one else knows in 1 Corinthians 2.11. Man has the idea of nature and life around us sometimes, but we do not have and understand the things of God except the teaching of God which comes by the Holy Spirit. So the idea is that we need to make sure that we're being taught and considered in these areas. Okay? Perfection. The idea is that being perfected, and you can't do this on your own. And I've seen those that have studied and prepared, and they have degrees after degrees. Uh, used to have a gentleman in a church years ago, used to be a professor, and he was brilliant. Matter of fact, on Sunday nights, sometimes he would pulpit supply, and he would walk in about 10 books to the pulpit. So you knew for every book was an hour of preaching. 
So he would kind of bring us up and he would open all these books. Again, brilliant. But when it comes to perfection, we need that, what God has for the time and a place. And let me just illustrate this to you. There are things that God asks us to do and respond to. In the scripture in the Old Testament, uh, you probably would never think about this, but God kind of set up for a prophet, one of the prophets, to talk to a donkey. I don't know about you, I, I might, you know, if, if I kind of walked up to me, I might. And then another aspect is that today we talk about holy living and other factors, but the Spirit of God told another prophet to marry a prostitute. Now that doesn't go into the line of everything that God does and says and how we should live and what we shouldn't live, but the idea is that at that time and place, it was exactly what God wanted and wanted the Spirit to convey that. And so perfection is something that we need to see and understand in that area of our life. That literally, there are things that God wants us to do. He wants us not to be shallow in our faith, but to have deep roots into what God has for us in growing, maturing in our faith. And that doesn't happen by outside teaching. We have great preachers. We have great Sunday school teachers. We have those around us that influence us. But there's nothing in the areas that they are in their life being perfect. And so the idea is that we need to kind of connect that and share that. The next area is all sufficient. I believe that uh, everything we need is something that God gives us. He teaches in John 14, 26, he teaches us all things, guiding you into truth. Again, another gentleman wrote this, who is better and able to explain the book than the one who wrote the book? The scripture is clear that when those that were writing, it said the spirit came upon them and they began to write that which God would have and share in our life. And so the person that literally wrote the Bible, gave inspiration to write the Bible, is the person that today can teach us personally and talk to us and speak to us. So the idea of all perfection. The second one is unassuming. The one thing is here is that the Holy Spirit is clear. Jesus had a saying always. He'd always say, if you know me, you'll know the Father. In the, came, in the same category, if you know the Holy Spirit, you will know the Father. And uh, the idea behind that is to make sure that all of us follow the same premise. And so when the scripture says he's the same, you know, yesterday, today, and forever, when he says that, it means that he's going to express nothing new. He's not going to override God. He's going to give you exactly the words and the message that you need personally in your life that will help you. And he doesn't take any credit. He doesn't pat himself on the back. He doesn't say, here, look me a little bit different. Lucifer, you remember, that had the great areas of heaven and decided he wanted to be better than God. And through that, he was cast out of heaven. The Holy Spirit in that framework, in a part of the Trinity, the third part, is an area where he will literally not take any credit for what he's doing. Everything that he's teaching you, everything that he wants to show you and lead you with comes from God. And that's reassurance. I've had people through that areas. My wife and I were talking the other day. I had a friend. We were, sending, we were standing as teenagers at an intersection and we're getting ready to cross. The light changed and here's cars coming. And I stopped and he says, what are you doing? I said, there's cars coming. Let's make sure they stop. He said, you know what? If they hit us, it's their fault. Duh, that's great. <laughs> it's their fault, but guess what? We're dead. <laughs> so he was giving me great directions and he was saying, you know what? It's going to be their fault, but it didn't add up. And I'm saying to you is that 
the Holy Spirit is a great teacher. His ideas and character is indispensable. They are perfect. They're all sufficient. Everything that you need, everything you ever value, anything that you have answers and questions for, it's there. And I'm assuming he takes no credit for it. And again, I've had those through the years that always have taken credit. They've always said, oh, that was me, and I told him to do that. The Holy Spirit never takes credit. He always says, what I'm teaching you, what you need to know is from God. And as I said earlier, if there's anything we need in this day and age, in the world we live in, we need truth. We need absolute truth. We need to make sure that what we live our life by is not something past, but something that's true, something of God. We went on Thanksgiving to my grandmother's all the time in Pennsylvania. And every year at Thanksgiving, she'd have a turkey, but she'd have a ham. And every year, she would always cut that ham in half and put it in two different dishes. And it was delicious. It was, it was great. And after the years, my mom started doing the same thing. And I said, Mom, you know, what are you doing? She said, well, you know, your grandmother does this, and it's so good. I want... So one year around the table, my mom finally said to my grandmother, why do you put that in two plates? What? Especially, why does it make the ham taste so good? And she said, it has nothing to do with it. She said, I don't have big enough pans for the whole ham. So I cut it in half. All those years we thought by cutting it in half, it made it better tasting. It was not the truth. The funny thing is that some of us sometimes are living that way. We're going by an old folk tale or we're trying to do something in the past, and it's because of the time and situation. But today is different, and you and I need an infilling of wisdom and knowledge about what God has for us. The scripture says that he goes before us every day. Do you know that? He walks the path. He's been there, and he can prepare your path. He's there to help you and to direct that path. The next area is the method of teaching. And I think we need to know and understand that because it's so vital for us in this path. The first one is enlightening the mind. I don't know about you, but all of us can kind of turn up that volume. But the spirit has wisdom. It has an area to help us and direct us. The scripture is clear because it says to us that Satan's plan is to make sure that he roams through this world and makes everything in our mind and hearts. He tries to doubts and questions. And I, I mean, he uses reverse psychology. He is brilliant. Matter of fact, they basically say that his ideas roaring through this world and destroying everything that is spiritual. But basically, he's making us blind. Blind. Billy Graham, and I share this, but Billy Graham said in his life that in his last part of his life, there were things that he was watching and doing that he wouldn't do 20 years ago. We have human nature that we begin to kind of drift a little bit. Matter of fact, some of the cars today, I don't know if you have one, but it's a little annoying now. But if you drift a little bit to the left or right, there's a beeping sound. Now, I love it because when my wife is driving, <laughs> we stay in the middle of the road, and that's fabulous. There have been times that I have woken up and seen the white line on the right side right here. And now she looks at me because 
it starts beeping and she says, see, you do the same thing. But you know what? For years, I never, ever had a problem. When I pastored in southern Ohio, um, we were traveling home on Monday sometimes, and I was so tired because Sunday nights we would, we would uh, leave after church and go to mom and dad's, take them to doctors all day, and then drive back to my church. And uh, I got pulled over, and he thought I was drunk, but really what I was doing was drifting sleeping. I was tired, and I was drifting. And I want you to know that just like the cars today that have the beeping, beeping sound that if you're too close to a car or too close to the edge or going over the lines, it beeps and reminds you that you're drifting. The Holy Spirit helps us when we start drifting. And we all do it. Things that we would normally not do 10 years ago or five years ago or a year ago, we are now doing. Things that we're watching, things in the way that we talk, things that we're taking to our brain. And the Holy Spirit help us to enlighten because we need that wisdom today. We need that point. The second thing he does in teaching and helping us is that he points to the suffering of Christ. And this is several ways that we look at this, but simply this way. He helps us as we're growing and maturing to help us about that suffering. I don't know what you've ever had or your life, but if you've ever had a crisis or you've ever had problems, sometimes human nature simply goes this way. Why is this happening to me? Why do I have to deal with this? I've been a good Christian. I've done all these good things. and all. Why is this stuff happening to me? And we ask ourselves that question over and over again. Why is it happening to me? And the Holy Spirit literally helps us and directs us in an area that his method is he brings us back to the suffering of Christ. See, he reminds us, can I tell you about someone that never sinned? Can I tell you about someone that healed and gave to the poor and helped those that were in need and always blessed and always shared and always loved and always compared? And he ended up on a cross, nailed to it, between two thieves, laughed at, sped upon, the crown of thorns crushed to his head, blood and body fluid running from his body. Can I remind you of someone that suffered unbelievable pain so that you and I can go to heaven someday. Boy, when you hear about that, have you ever been into an area where kind of manufacturing the areas of let me top your story? Where someone says, oh, I'm going through this and this is happening and this is going on. And someone says, oh, that's nothing. Let me tell you what's going on with me. And they try to top each other's sickness or problems in life. We need to be reminded, and he does that in his teaching, and his method of teaching is that when we start having a pity party, he reminds us of what Jesus Christ did for every one of us and what he suffered and what consequences that he had to go through so that for I, that yet while I was a sinner, he died and suffered unbelievable. And we all need to be reminded of that. We've gone through some horrible things of death and circumstances in our life. And I've heard people say, well, you just, I know exactly what you're going through. And they don't. But the Holy Spirit knows it. And again, I preach this, but let me say again to you, is that when he comes to you, he is a teacher and a lover and a portion of grace upon your life. 
He never is rude. He's never hateful, disrespectful. He never puts you down. He just says, hey, let's look at this. Let's review this and what Jesus went through. The next area is quick, the understanding. I need this, folks. I really need to have this help and encouragement because we need to compare and look at those things. But when we look at this and and understand it is that he quickens the understanding of what's going on. I don't know about you, but I I like this about the, the Holy Spirit. I have memorized scripture. I have Bible stories. And sometimes I'm gonna say to you, can you quote this scripture? And man, my brain will just rack trying to get it over. But the unbelievable factor that the Holy Spirit does is that if you've ever talked to someone that's in, in having problems and you wanna give them the scripture, how many times have you had the Holy Spirit bring to mind the words of the scripture? He has brought to you, he's quickened the areas of understanding. He's helped you understand their situation. He's helped you say, okay, this is where we need to apply grace. But when I need to tell someone something, he quickens that thought. He quickens the areas of saying, and and the scripture comes out and the stories come out that helps and illustrations that come out. He is a Holy Spirit and we need that day. We need this day and age now that we're able to do that Quicken the understandings so so that we can share and help people in their own personal life. The idea is quickly this, is that he has a discernment. He has that heart in our mind, and he's able to make connections with that. And I believe today that that we need to do that in our own personal life and have the Holy Spirit. The next way of methods is that comparing things that are spiritual. He compares those. What I mean by that, you're saying, and I've had that through my years, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, can I go watch this movie? Pastor, can I go to this concert? Pastor, can I go to this activities? And, and it just kind of uh, always bothers me because I'm not God or the Spirit. You need to have that relationship. And I always say to them, have you prayed about it? No, I haven't done that. Well, have you listened to the Spirit? Have you asked him to lead you? No. I, well, you need to do that because there are going to be things in our life that that we're going to be required or asked to do and the pastor or Christian people are not going to be around and you need to have someone that can compare the things that maybe you want to do or say or do and compare it to what the word of God says. Can you say it? Can you live it? Can you be part of those things? And that has a lasting kind of influence on your life because if you're relying on your own personal conscience or your own life, or you're in that situation, literally God is saying to you, I want you to see through the Spirit. Let him bring the concerns and let him bring the areas of Scripture to your heart and mind. And I tell you, the Scripture is important in our personal lives. The next area of method of teaching is revealing hidden things. I don't know what goes in your life, but he has a way of tuning up. We believe in the Nazarene Church that We love and believe in the Old Testament and New Testament. We believe that the Old Testament is that pillar that builds upon the New Testament. You can't just throw one out. There's some denominations that all they do is go by the New Testament. You never hear anything with the Old Testament. But the word of God is 
key to both the old and the new. And the idea here is that he reveals those things to us that connects the Old and New Testament. He brings proof by what he has shared in the New Testament and what goes in the Old Testament. And we need that in our life so that literally the Spirit speaks to us and says, okay, they're questioning this. Here it is in the Old Testament. And he brings to heart and mind those things that support the things that God wants us to do and how he wants us to live. The next aspect of method is recalling forgotten things. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but anybody have a problem with that? (laughs) The old joke was that, you know, you believe in the hereafter. You go to that room and look around and say, what am I hereafter? And you forget what it was that you wanted in that room. And if you're honest, every one of you would shake your hand and lift it up. But sometimes it scares me. But he has a way of helping us and bringing to us recall. The areas that the scripture says he shall bring unto you remembrance and remind you of the things that committed to. Every once in a while through my ministry and hard times and circumstances, I had to have the Holy Spirit remind me why I was in the ministry. He had to remind me why was there not to have joy all the time, not to have all the glory all the time, but he reminded me that it was a call that God put upon my life to preach and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He needed to remind me of that. And you and I need to be reminded of why we're serving and honoring the Lord. He needs to remind us that we're out there as a witness and things that we do are seen and, and it certainly is followed. And those reminders help us in growing forward and ministering because they are there to remind us of those things that help. One of the things he does with me, and I don't know if he does with you, and I'm learning more and more in my life about grace because sometimes in our hard areas of doctrine, sometimes we're kind of cut and dry. We expect people when they come in the doors to be wholly sanctified instead of sinners. I've told people some of the greatest testimonies have been ones that has had swearing in it. And before you have a heart attack, I don't believe in swearing. But when you have someone that's been out in the world all their life and all they did was swear, what a blessing to say and hear someone say, God saved me and forgave me for my sins, blankety blank. And what God does through this, through the Holy Spirit, when I start feeling a little holier than thou, start thinking, I'm pretty good, I'm sorry, wonderful. And I start holding someone accountable for something that I'm doing in another area that's not pleasing to God. He reminds me of those hidden things. He says, how can you judge someone here and you're doing this? How can you be so critical of someone there and look what you're doing here? He reminds us of those hidden things, the hypocritical factors. And I don't know if I used it here, but I'll use it again over and again. Uh, In my retirement, I'm still pulpit supplying and filling in. But my main thing right now is that I'm working in Twinsburg in the school district. And I work with about 300 kids, about 20 ministrators. So I'm working and ministering to them. And God says, you know what, You're, you're reaching more people there than you did in your church all those years. But one day... 
a gentleman that was so-called a Christian, and he was very critical of everyone. He told everyone how wonderful he was and told everybody what they needed to do and not do, and, and he was a hypocrite. He was running around off his wife and doing all kind of junk. But one of the ladies in our group is an atheist, and she pronounces it. I mean, she proclaims it clearly. And uh, he was walking behind her, saying to her, you need to get right. You need to change. And she's walking in the office and she's being quiet. I see her Fred getting, face getting red. And uh, finally she stops, turns around at him and he says, you need to know Jesus. And she looked right in his face and says, if I ever go looking for Jesus, it won't be your Jesus. And that's why I'm saying about these hidden things. If we're not allowing the spirit to talk to us and teach us about the hidden things that we've either covered up or we haven't done, we can come across the same way. If we're being hypocritical in things that are not of Christ and we're trying to hold a principle here. And then the last part of this hidden thing that I think is important for all of us is that through my years and through our areas of crisis that we've dealt with through our lives, He's reminded me in my situations of grace. He's reminded me, the Spirit of God, look what grace God has given you, and you need to have that grace. And the neat thing is about the same grace that you demonstrate is the same grace that he demonstrated towards you. All of us in this room, everyone in the church on Sunday morning, depends upon a wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit reminds us when we start allowing the devil to beat us up and say, oh, we're no good, and, and how could he forgive us, and how will you do that? He reminds us through the Holy Spirit saying, can I tell you something? I know the devil's been pretty hard on you. I know the world's been pretty hard on you. Can I tell you something? My God still loves you. Oh, I know you sinned. I know you backslid. I know you did things that are not pleasing, but you've asked God to forgive you. Can I tell you something? You're forgiven. He reminds me of those hidden things that the Satan that we have trouble with constantly fighting us is telling us he doesn't care. He doesn't love us. He recalls forgiving forgotten things. And the last method is that hindering self things, selfish things. The scripture says that Paul and Silas wanted to go and preach in Rome or Asia, I should say. And the Holy Spirit says, you can't do it. You can't go there. They felt comfortable like that's where they should go, that's what they should do, and, and all those things. Matter of fact, for years, uh, Cindy and I always had a joke together that, that we went to Guatemala a year after we were married. Uh, that's why we're still married, because if we made it in Guatemala that first year, unbelievable. She's firstborn, I'm firstborn. Her mom is in charge of the house. My dad was in charge of the house. And it's the grace of God that we're still together factors. Matter of fact, her comment to me now is she never divorced me because I, I wouldn't have the right to be that happy. That was her words, not mine. That's not my words, that's hers. But the idea is that this selfish things and, and hindering those things that, that we share, we want to do those things. And, and, the missionary thing is 
something we always said through these years, we don't want to be missionaries. And so I always kind of think that I was going to fool God by saying, God, whatever you want to do, but boy, we're having a great ministry here. You know, we don't, don't call me to a mission field. Don't, I don't want to go over there because I've been there and boy, what they go through and deal with, it's unbelievable. Jim Radcliffe, there's a great friend. He's just somewhat retired from Papua New Guinea, years over there. And the things, he came back to do a, a brief uh, a course at Ohio State and uh, they ask him, this is how you take a bullet out. He says, no, you don't understand. I need to know how to take hatchets out because they had hatchets and spears. Missionary work was mine. But God, I had to come to a point and say, God, if that's where you want me, I will go. Can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit will never put you someplace that you won't be happy. The greatest place you can be is where the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you. And he will bring you to a point and he'll also say, no, you can't do that. You can't be part of that. The last part of this today is, is the attitude of being taught or the attitude of being taught. So the first thing is, is, is that, okay, where am I missing the Holy Spirit? Why am I not making connections? Why am I confused? These are areas that are not all of them, but there are things that I want you to be careful with and, and understand. If, if you truly want to be part of what God has for you and, and share in your life, if you want to have peace in your heart, is knowing that you're where God wants you to be. It's the Spirit. And I've told you how he teaches. I've told you that, that what a teacher qualifications he has. And now I want you to know these are the attitudes of being taught. The things that we have and the first one is the areas of meditation. He teaches you when you meditate. So I'm telling you that if you never get in quiet time, you never read the Bible, then you're going to be confused a little bit. Because someone says, you know, I read that Bible and I read that portion. I don't know if you do this. I, I started a couple years ago, but I'm reading the whole Bible through in the year. And, and I want you to know, there are scriptures that I've read year after year, and they meant nothing. And now, for some reason, a certain day and time, when I read that, it means something. It's something that's there. And so if you want to be taught by the Holy Spirit, we need to read the book that he wrote, as I shared, but be open, and as you're reading, saying anything. And I start every day when I do this, I say, Holy Spirit, if there's something I need to learn from this scripture today, please teach me. If there's something that will help me in my life, please teach me. And the Holy Spirit works during the time that you're in the word of God. I don't care if it's five minutes. I don't care if it's an hour. The key is that if you open up and begin reading and be open and listen, which I'm getting ahead of myself, is that the scripture says it's there. Here, let me reveal this. Let me teach you this. And so I find that a good portion of my time that God allows the Holy Spirit to speak to me is through this time that literally... I'm meditating and listening to God. The second area where he teaches us is when we're obeying. Philip was told, arise and go. And he arose and went, Acts 26, 28. The idea is that he got up and it says he had a successful day and ministry because when the Spirit of God told him to get up and go, he obeyed. We can't get away from it. And sometimes we're kind of stubborn with this. But when we are told to do things by the Holy Spirit, if we will do them, he teaches us. 
He shows us and reminds us. And sometimes he takes where our failures are and teaches us this is how you can do a better job. Or over here, when we're doing this, he says, good job. Here, this is good. And we learn by that. And, and that's a key. And sometimes it's not always good. Two days ago, uh, we have some flowers and things around our homes. And uh, I have been in these flower beds. I've watered and done different things. And you wouldn't think I have to water in this season all the rain we've had, but I still had to do it. But two days ago, or I should say three days ago, I'm out watering. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling these things biting me. I'm standing in the nest of yellow jackets. And my arm is still swollen from yellow jackets. So I called the exterminator. He came out, took care of them. And I'm glad because, I mean, there were thousands. I I don't know how in two days, because we were out in front porch doing this. It was a terrible scene. It was a terrible situation. And, I mean, all night long, throbbing, hurting, and, and problems with it, and feeling bad. It was a bad situation. But can I tell you something? Last night, after two days, I decided to go out and water. Everything that moved, I moved. I mean, if a little fly went by me, if I mean, I'm going like this, I'm kind of like this. I mean, I'm moving. It's not quick enough, but to my mind, I'm feeling good about it because I'm moving. And God was saying, you need to be a little careful because three years ago, I stepped into another nest out in the grass, cutting grass. And he's kind of teaching me that, you know what? Look ahead, look around you. And so I learned something in a bad experience. And God teaches us that when we obey and we're obeying him, the Holy Spirit's leading us and teaching us. It's kind of like in the Old Testament where uh, Abraham and those would have times where they said they would walk with God through the garden. Adam and Eve would walk with God through the garden. And when we're obeying and following the will of God, the Holy Spirit is close to us. He's talking to us. And those are times that he reminds us of the things that he wants us to do and, and helps us in our growth. The next area is why we serve. If you're not serving God, why is the Holy Spirit talking to you? I mean, if you're not doing the things that he asks you to do and respond to, uh, he's not going to be there to talk to you. But when you're serving God, doing something, and I can tell you that this is the greatest thing, and I don't know if uh, Medina still does this. I know when I was at State Road, we did this, but we would take a meal down to Cleveland, to the inner city. We would have meals and take it down there. And uh, my kids really kind of rejected it, and they were probably teenagers at that point, and it was kind of like, gimme, 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 want, want, want. We talked about putting an ATM machine on their front porch because every day they walked out to go to school, there was something they needed. And I said, let's just put a machine out there and let them take wood, because they're going to get it anyway, I guess. But we decided to do that. But we took them down to Cleveland one day, and they saw these little babies sitting at the table eating meals. And they saw adults walking in, hardly able to walk. And they sat down and had these warm meals in the wintertime and eating. And on the way home, and in the weeks ahead, I heard those kids, my daughters, say to me, we really have it pretty good. We really have it pretty good. The meals and food, and we have a car to drive to school with. We're doing pretty good, aren't we, Dad? You see, during the time of serving... They were taught something they needed to learn for the rest of their life. 
they had it pretty good. They thought it, they didn't have it bad. Didn't have uh, it, uh, they thought they had it pretty bad in their life. And so the Holy Spirit will teach you while you are serving and doing things. And when people say, well, I'm retiring and I'm not doing this for God or doing that for God, I have to ask them, so do you really want the Holy Spirit to speak to you? You need to be honoring. And it could be the areas that you can only be praying now or you can teach now or do some things that, that you couldn't do before. But while you're doing and obeying God and serving him is when the Holy Spirit teach, teaches you. The next one, while we wait... Sometimes I wonder and I ask God, you know, why can't you move a little bit quicker here? Luke, 20, Luke 2, 26 said, Simeon was waiting. And while he waited, the Holy Spirit came upon him and spoke to him and revealed to him what he should be blessed and what he, why he was waiting. And what, when things opened up, he would be the first to know to go. That's some of the most frustrating things in a pastor's life is to say, we need to get moving, we need to do this, we need to help that, and we're not moving ahead. The Spirit talks to you that you sometimes have to just sit back and listen and respond and let him to talk to you and teach you. And that happens during waiting time when someone says to me, well, and you've heard through the years, it's either God tells you to go, stop, or wait. And in the waiting time, he doesn't, just say, well, I'll see you whenever I'm ready. But during those times, he'll tell you, keep calm. Wait, keep praying, keep reading. I believe with my heart, I have a brother that's probably about 45, almost 50 now. But I remember my mom nightly praying for him. And her prayer was always saying, save him, dear Lord. Get a hold of him, Lord. Don't let him die without knowing Jesus. Mom has gone and she didn't see this come about, but there's no doubt in my mind that there will be a day that she will see from heaven someone coming down and praying with my brother to accept Jesus Christ as his savior. We're still waiting and we're still praying and the Holy Spirit has guaranteed and said to us he would do that. And some would challenge that a little bit. But I believe that when we pray for souls and we ask God to help them and save them, that God has a special interest to in doing that. And so he does it while we wait. And the last time is when we listen. The last point, which is similar to the other ones, but I mean listen. Listen to what he's trying to say. I always say it in this way when I pray sometimes. Dear Lord, today I feel really dumb. And I really don't want to know what you want me to do. I really don't. But I want you to know that during this day, I'm going to listen for you to talk to me. I want you to speak to me, Lord. And so I will wait. I'll be being it. I'll serve. But I want you to know I'm going to listen today for that answer. And so many times I've had answers. Somebody, when I was here before, we discussed this a little bit. Don't have to always detain or bring it forward in factors. But, but the tragedy I keep on mentioning to you went through a very dark time in our life. Never turned on God. Questioned God in a godly manner, not hateful. Never cursed him. But I want you to know 
that as I waited and listened, I needed an answer. And after a couple months of waiting and being obedient and doing it, oh, I was fighting and I was upset and I was mad that it allowed things like this to happen. And then two things came to me as I listened. One, he said, someday I'll explain this situation to you. It was clear as all get out. He just literally, while I was listening, waiting for an answer, he said, someday when we get to, you get to heaven, I'll explain this to you. I'll tell you the why and how that will happen. And the second thing is, he says, while that's happening, I will take care of your loved one and I will take care of you. Just keep on keeping on. And that was been my reassurance from the Holy Spirit that as I was listening, not so busy griping and complaining because I did that for a while, but when I start listening, he began to speak to me and make sense. For he says the last thing is, what and who are you going to go to if you leave me? I am God. I am speaking through the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your hurt. But I will give you enough grace. I will give you enough strength. I will give you enough power that you will make it to the final day when you're called home. I love you, Waitman. And I won't ever forsake you. And I want you to know that has given me peace. And I'm just saying to all of you today, where is it that he's trying to teach you? Have you been listening? Have you been following? Are you questioning your life? Are you questioning things going on? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to direct you and guide you? The Bible says that as we pray and we're filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, he would come and fill us and he will speak to us and guide us in our daily life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Our Heavenly Father, we have heard about the Holy Spirit. We've preached about the Holy Spirit. Our church lifts it up in our doctrine. But are we still totally depending upon his wisdom and his strength? My prayer for everyone in this room today that somehow we've been sidetracked. If we're swerving back and forth in our spiritual life and we need some certainty, I pray that we would take the time and allow God through service, through obedience, through love and grace and for listening that we will hear the spirit of God that will be encouraging and helping us. It's a reason if we're doubting or questioning, it's because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. If we're having ups and downs, it's because we're not depending upon the Holy Spirit's strength and ability to keep us. Help us today to take time and say, God, where is it that I need to meet the Holy Spirit? Where is it that he's trying to direct me and guide me and show me that I'm not following it? For I believe that even in the hard times, we can find the Spirit and we can listen to him speak. He is the greatest teacher. He is the greatest lover. He is the greatest gift of grace and faith in our personal life. We need the Holy Spirit 
like no other time in world's history. Our world is upside down and the hate and the murders, we ask you today to help us to learn and relearn to depend upon the Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen.